uh, I don't know if you remember, you probably remember everything because your memory is staggering, but, uh, but we'd been through um, getting out of the, uh, the Celtic ends of, of the British Isles there and you've been, and then you returned to New Orleans. This was yeah. the story. And so what we were going to talk about was exactly how you, or whether and how you had integrated all of that stuff into, uh, or what came next coming back from that into New Orleans? Well, um, while uh, it was it was good to have people to play with, uh, that's when I started to really uh, do a lot more serious playing um, with uh, the Poor Clares, uh, which had been, uh, in my, my year of absence, they'd gone on to play NTIF and uh, had done quite well. And so when I, when I came back, uh, we picked up where we left off, recorded our first album, uh, Resurrected Lover. Um, I was still in college. I was taking 22 credit hours and trying to make this record. And um, I think the, the reason that they, we put ourselves through these stressors is when we're young and are less likely to have heart attacks. Um, but uh, but we, we managed to do it. Um, and at the same time, um, I was opening myself up to other possibilities. I was doing some duo gigs with my friend Diana Thornton. So instead of doing something that was authentically Irish, we were, it was focused on her original music. And I took um, a sidestep being um, doing more improv, you know, playing the, uh, filling in the gaps on the bazooki, um, playing the solos, which was something, a role that I had not yet um, uh, taken on. Um, and uh, I was quite happy to do that. And uh, also playing bass uh, with a group, uh, most of them from Honduras, one guy from Guatemala, a uh, group called Ancestro, even though they were from Honduras. Yeah, even though they were from Honduras and Guatemala, um, they did a lot of the Andean folk music. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I got turned, not only did they turn me on to the, the music and the rhythms of, uh, of groups from Chile and Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, Argentina, Venezuela, you know, th things like that. Um, they also got me turned on, um, made me more globally aware, specifically with the bands of Chile. Um, uh, and uh, it's my currently on my personal uh, page. Uh, there's a photo of me uh, wearing a Mapuches flag from, uh, which is the indigenous flag of of, of Chile. Um, they even to this day, um, I've been been aware of of what's going on. Uh, they got me turned on to groups like um, the Nueva Cancion uh, movement uh, that came from the dictatorship uh, uh, going on in Chile. And uh, so I became more globally aware uh, of all this and just started incorporating it uh, into what I was writing because I was writing, trying to fit more of an Irish idiom, but I, I think it's because I have raging ADD. I can never stick to one thing for any particularly long amount of time. So I started expanding and borrowing influences um, from everything I was hearing, uh, whether it was doing the more singer-songwriter stuff with Diana or uh, playing bass with Ancestro and um, drawing on some of my older influences back when I was a heavy metal bass player. Um, and uh, so here's to short attention spans. Is the ADD real, or is it just that that's the way your brain works? I mean, is it an impediment in some way? It's it it's like uh, it, it it's real. I mean, it, it wasn't until I finished uh, college and had my diploma hanging on the wall uh, that I went uh, to get something else checked out, and my doctor said, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." You know, I think that you actually have ADD, and I was like, "Oh, look, a squirrel." Um, I, I have a 
uh, a very bad habit of, of getting sidetracked. Um, a lot of times, especially when I'm stressed out, have a hard time finishing my sentences because in my mind, I've already filled, I've already finished that sentence in my mind, which is filled in the gaps and I'm off on another tangent. Yeah, I do that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, but I mean, I think I, 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 I'm just wondering cause it seems so effective. I mean, if, if you, you're at this point, you're, you're, you've, you've gotten down not only the music styles of a whole bunch of, and very weird, uh, not weird, but very, um, let's say less familiar to your locale languages in the music of a number of places and had the long range thought to go and really saturate yourself in that, which takes a lot of long range concentration. And, and now you're learning Spanish and Spanish music. It seems to me like it's working on some level in terms of, in terms of, yeah, I don't like to do anything half-assed. So the thing is, is that, um, I would like to be more proficient in everything that I do. And truth be told, there just aren't enough hours in the day uh, to do that. Because uh, I think of when I first started playing with Ancestro and I think to myself, you know, man, this was, uh, I had so many opportunities. Why didn't I make a better effort to speak Spanish um, when I was playing with these guys? And then when I went on to play in, in Costa Rica and then Honduras and Mexico, you know, I was like, oh yeah, because back then you were taking 22 credit hours and you were also playing five nights a week with an Irish band, you know, just. Yeah, to do and do all that stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny, I mean, you know, if I, I interviewed Phil Degree, it was a good friend of mine too, and I know he comes to see our shows too. Actually, it's a kind of brilliant. Oh, Phil's, like Phil's a, about the ADD situation, and you know, it's very yeah. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, I, he, you know, you're dealing with like I said. If you're, I mean, if you have ADD, but you can work out how not to have that level of obsession and on the guitar to where you develop. I mean, that takes a hell of a lot of concentration or sustained concentration over over decades to be able to attain that obtain to that kind of you know the, those kinds of. Uh, uh, development uh, instrumentally and yeah. musically, so it's, it's interesting. Anyway, yeah. what do you say? Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to have a conversation like this because it's like you first, no, you first, no, you first. But um, with this uh, technology, no, it's it's if I can't go in for long um, uh, mental marathons, and sometimes I can, but if I can't, I'll try to use uh, my scattershot way of getting things done to my advantage by just making sure that, okay, I did a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that, and I might put things down and then resume them. And it gives me the illusion that I'm a lot more productive than I really am. Mm -hmm. uh, but I save everything that I write because I never know what I might be able to cannibalize and reuse. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, and then there are times to look at some of the stuff that I wrote, especially in my early years, and go, oh, my God, that was so bad. But it, wow. it's, it's, it's a, a sign of progress. Uh -huh. You know, anything that, uh, that you, that you have created that in hindsight makes you want to spork yourself in the eye just is a good sign. That means that you've, you, you've, you got better. <laughs> okay. Interesting idea. And, uh, um, so, okay. So you're dealing with, with those two, two, two bands and ancestral, and then how is it coming out now? Trump putting together these, uh, the sort of building idea of some way to, I guess, integrate or. Uh, the all the Celtic information into what you're doing now, or, or what you what do you end up doing? So this is ancestral, so you're not doing that there, but clearly there's some degree of attempt to, to do that after. That. Yeah, well, it 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 never goes away um, because it wasn't until uh, 
last year I went to Ecuador and met somebody who was playing all that music that I used to play 20 something years ago. And in my faltering Spanish, because by this time I had actually made an effort to learn some Spanish and I said, Hey, you want to, you want to play? And we, we, we arranged logistics. And even though I was playing bazooki instead of bass, um, when I play bazooki, I think in bass lines anyway. So um, I just made the transition and uh, I got to play all this music that I hadn't played in so long. And it was just an amazing rush for me to, to be able to do it again. Uh, we got some strange looks because here's somebody with a, the traditional uh, garb playing traditional Andean folk instruments, and then me, you know, this gringa playing a, a weird instrument. And we're just jamming out on the streets, and, and some people gave us funny looks. Uh, one indigenous woman walked by and threw me a wink, uh, which I thought was really cool. That's nice. So, so now, uh, and tell us about, I mean, because you were, I mean, you spoke there pretty seriously about music of Chile and, and learning about that. What can you tell us about that particularly as a, as a distinctive thing? Cause obviously this, it, you mentioned music from Ecuador and you mentioned all these other things and, and let's have a little bit of distinction on what's happening with that real, since you gave so much about, about stuff in um, Irish music in Celtic music and then in Indian music, we might as well go get, get a little bit further into this since it seems to be an interest. Yeah. Well, there was, um, I mean, it, it went for, uh, it was going on, this, this was something that had been going on since 1973, uh, but what, uh, it was not just the, um, the awareness uh, as, as somebody who would, like to, who would like to consider herself a humanitarian when, you know, she's not off looking at squirrels, uh, but, um, but also the music that came out of it, because I was learning a lot of the traditional rhythms uh, from all of all of these different uh, places, and and that was that was exciting. That was different. But uh, there were several groups that just took it all to a new level, and just uh, something that made it so complex and orchestrated. Um, groups like Kiapayun, and then there was another band called Intilimani, uh, which um, took the messages, but also it transcended language. Uh, so even if you didn't know what was going on, the, sh the sheer depth of the music and the group that sealed the deal for me um, was Yapu, um, uh, who were taking a lot of outside influences. A lot of these bands uh, were exiled because um, at this point, I'm having a, a, an ADD moment um, here uh, with... Um, uh, I've... Uh, but uh, a lot of these bands were uh, were being exiled uh, for playing the music of Chile. Uh, some people stayed, like uh, Victor Jara, who was killed, and a lot of bands were exiled. Uh, I think, as far as I heard, Quiapayun uh, went to France, Intilimani went to uh, Italy, and Iyapu, I think, first went to France, and then they went to Mexico, but a lot of them just couldn't go back to Chile for the longest time, or, or they'd be killed. Now, um, to me, understand this, they were going to be killed for playing indigenous music? Uh, for, playing, well, for playing the Nueva Cancion, uh, a lot of them was not only the music of Chile, but also uh, there were a lot of protest songs. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So it started uh, with, um, with uh, Pinochet, and uh, there's, there's still protests going on uh, even today, and so I've been keeping an eye on that. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a... Um, 
you know, so it's, it's just like, I worry about too many things because before the, uh, the pandemic, I was worried about, um, uh, uh, about what was going on in Chile. I was worried about the Australian bushfires, you know, so um, now this is forcing me to just shut down. Uh, this current situation is forcing me to shut down, quiet my mind and focus on eking out a living uh, over the internet, playing some silly little songs. Yeah, well, I was really stunned by the the, the jam session with the dryer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, you doing that? That was really something. So uh, we you know. we have three more ideas up our sleeves. In fact, when I'm I'm finished with this uh, interview, I'm going to um, we're, we're going to start another video uh, for those who are tuning in uh, and have no idea what we're talking about. Um, my husband and I just did a little one of those split screen um, jam sessions you can do because for the longest time the dryer does this does this chime I believe it's Schubert you know and I would be I would always be singing to it as I'd be getting the clothes out of the dryer and stuff like that and then I said you know it'd be funny if I just like you do a video of me just jam along with the dryer on my bazooki and of course Josh uh, while he welcomes my ideas he has this wonderful talent for making them that much better <laughs> Yeah, well, one day we'll get to Josh. I'll get to asking Josh questions. But, uh, but uh, um, that's that's really cool. So, where does this take us up to? When was the so, so this this is still a number of years back. We're talking about right. There's still mm -hmm. sort of yeah. times and all that kind of thing, right? And and uh, after I did my first record, Hybrid Vigor, which was half instrumental and uh, half songs, it was also half original and half traditional and half of it was in the Cajun idiom and half of it was in the Celtic idiom. So there were a lot of halvesies going on there. Just uh, uh, a mashup. It was my, until it went out of print, it was my best selling record. Um, people liked the big Celtic alligator that I painted on the cover and which represented uh, the, the fusion of the two. And um, so I was keeping it more traditional. And then my second album, uh, I just uh, decided to, throw all caution to the wind and did more of a singer songwriter album that was influenced by everything that I had done. Um, the more hard hitting rock, um, influenced by some of the Louisiana roots, um, a lot of Irish and a lot of world music that I was interested in. I just decided to incorporate everything and that became my path for the longest time. I think of, uh, in the last uh, episode, we were talking about Mel Mercier who described himself as, as a magpie. Um, in that what magpies do is that their vocabulary, like a lot of birds, um, lyre birds do this too, um, is that they take whatever songs they hear um, and incorporate it into their vocabulary. And that's basically what Mel uh, was likening himself to um, because, you know, he was a Bauron player who also played South Indian percussion and gamelan and West African percussion. And, and he just worked that into his entire uh, language. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, so I decided to to go that route. So um, now we're into, into some other things. Now, so in singer-songwriter stuff, in terms of we hadn't discussed lyrical content or anything like that. What is your approach to that? What are you trying to convey or where does it come from? Since we just dealt, we just dealt with so much instrumental music for like uh, for, 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 better part of an hour and a half what do you got here on the on the lyrical content well at first um 
uh, a lot of my sentiments I wanted to still keep a little more personal. So I started sort of encrypting them. A lot of my uh, songs, especially my early songs, um, are written in kind of a code. Uh, there's one layer that's intended for everybody to enjoy. Then the, there's another layer that's symbolic. Um, and then there's a third layer that uh, is only uh, supposed to mean something to anybody who knows me or knows the story in great deal, great detail behind that. Yes, wonderful. Um, that was at least the case for a while. Then I tapered off. Um, I did this up until my uh, my sixth record, which was my last studio record. And then uh, for circumstances that probably aren't worth repeating, it kind of broke me. And um, uh, I'm just trying to get back into into songwriting again. But as I told a friend of mine in Australia, I said, after that, I, I said, I think I fell and broke my songwriter. So this is because of the emotional engagement with the subject or because of the amount of vigor that it took to incorporate all the, the, the process? I had reached uh, an emotional point that I was just like, can't do this anymore. Uh, the, the circumstances, I, I was dealing with some circumstances that were making it difficult. Um, I was hitting a lot of walls. I was getting a lot of mixed messages in life. Um, and I had just, I had been running and running and running. I think I had gone through something like six moves over the course of four years or something crazy like that. And um, I think some part of me said, okay, we're going to take a time out. Mm. Um, and so that's when I started uh, turning my attention to writing fiction. Um, so I put out, I'd, I'd done also like a, uh, went to Japan and done a little quick and dirty EP, just raw mix right off the board because the tape was rolling and the audience was enthusiastic. And I thought, what the hell? I didn't buy any trinkets for myself in Japan. My souvenir was making a live EP while I was there. Uh -huh. um, but uh, I took some time off of, off of recording and managed to eke out like one song at a time every year or so. Um, but turned my efforts to writing fiction because um, the music in me had, had, I don't know if it died, but it definitely went into a coma for a while. Okay, and what are you writing? What's the fiction? What do we got here? This is this is a whole other thing now. So what is going on with this? <laughs> well, I started, um, I, I, I didn't know what, just kind of like when I started playing the bazooki, I didn't know what I wanted to, what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to do it. Um, so I started with some silly little short stories because I'd, I'd written some in my youth um, ever since I was a little kid and was too young to know which way some of the letters faced. You know, I'd write things down on paper and uh, dabbled, you know, within in, in high school and things. And uh, then anything that wasn't music related went right out the window when I got to college, uh, writing as well as recreational reading. And then um, uh, about six months before my 40th birthday, something in me was like, oh my God, I have to start writing. And um, uh, so that's what I did and just jotted down some things. Um, I had made friends um, with Robert Asprin, the uh, science fiction fantasy writer, uh, a couple of years before he died. I realized he was living in New Orleans and um, wished that he were still around to, you know, to, to give me some advice or drive me crazy or, you know, all the wonderful and weird things that he did. Uh, but after he died, um, I wrote to uh, Jody Lynn Nye, who had been one of his writing partners, and introduced myself. 
um, I found out that he that that she had inherited um, his copies of my records, and so I wrote to myself and introduced myself. And she was wonderful and lovely and down to earth. And she wrote back, and so I sent her a bunch of CDs, and she sent me a bunch of books. And um, she and her husband Bill Fawcett gave me a lot of invaluable um, advice as to how to actually make this work. Um, because I just sat down at the computer and started writing a short story. I, I didn't know that anything about style. I didn't even know how to format a document. I just, you know, I was like, okay, here's a plot. Here it is. It's, it's fluff. But I turned it into something, and then I expanded it into a novella, and then I expanded it into a novel. So instead of a really smooth story arc, it's almost like an insect. It definitely has a head and a thorax and an abdomen, and a, and Bill and Jody kept me from it getting squashed underfoot <laughs> like an insect. Uh-huh. And, and so what kind of subjects? What, what is, this, is, this in a, is this in the form of science fiction? I mean, is Yeah, it's, it's urban fantasy. Uh, this, this novel that I, I put out a few, uh, a few different, um, uh, different short stories, and all the while I was working on this novel, which would be defined as urban fantasy. Uh, so it takes place in the modern world, but there are supernatural elements to it. And it started really with one wisecrack I made to a friend. Well, a couple of things. Like I used to say that uh, musicians were kind of the ultimate shapeshifters uh, in order to survive, you know. And, and I knew that people wouldn't be able to relate to a, a bazooki player, uh, and I didn't want it to be particularly autobiographical. Uh, so I made it about a bass player because um, when I was playing more bass, I kind of had to be a shapeshifter that way. You know, you're a cover, you're playing for a cover band one night, you're playing blues another night, you're playing for somebody's quirky original set the next night, and so on and so forth. And so you have to constantly keep adapting uh, to stay fed. And it started, and it was also with another friend who I used to tease him because his, his sense of hearing was so good uh, for frequencies and, and things like that in the studio that I, I said, are you sure you're not a werewolf? and this stuck mm. and so werewolves are, are probably in the shape-shifting world are probably pretty cliche but i had something to work with so i'm like great i've got an idea i'm gonna go with it mm. so yeah it's it's led to at least four different people contacting me asking me in all seriousness if i am a werewolf and you know it really is true what they say about it doesn't matter whether they spell your name uh, what they say about you as long as they spell your name right in print because you know because i thought this can only help me after gigs you know when i have to get to my car you know and <laughs> don't want to worry about somebody following me so i, I ended up with this novel uh, called the wild harmonic uh -huh. um so it's out on kindle um the the publisher went boots up so i have 10 million copies sitting in my closet right now um wow and, um, but uh, it's still, I got the rights back on Kindle, so it's out there for the boys and girls to read. And it taught me everything that you're not supposed to do about writing a novel. So uh, I'm working on another standalone novel right now that uh, I was like, oh boy, yikes. Yeah, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to go about it properly. Here's something called structure. Uh -huh. You know, structure was never my forte. 